It's the weakest part of your fishing tackle, and yet one that's often the most overlooked or taken for granted. We're going to talk about that very weak link on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I appreciate it as always. And speaking of appreciation, we always appreciate the contributions of Sportsman's Warehouse. And I think you should as well if you like our content, be it here on the podcast or YouTube or any of our social media or on television. Uh, Sportsman's Warehouse is the reason we can make all of that happen, and we hope you'll give them uh, some of your vote. When it comes time to get some fish and tackle, visit them at sportsmans.com or any one of 137 stores nationwide. Guys, it's, uh, it's the middle of summer, and... I've had a couple of questions in the last two weeks from people about um, failures specifically, failures in their fishing tackle, and want to know how I managed to get around some of these failures. And I think a couple of the reasons that the failures are happening is a lack of discipline by, uh, by the anglers involved. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about knot failures. The fishing knot is the basic, most fundamental thing in fishing just about that you have to learn. Obviously, you have to be able to attach your line to your reel. You've got to be able to attach the other end of your line to whatever it is you're fishing with. Uh, You may have opportunities or needs, I should say, to put two lines together, uh, if you know, and such is the case of attaching a leader or maybe even attaching your main line back together. But at the end of the day, the fishing knot is very, very important. And by this time in the season, uh, I start to get emails that pile up, and they're always the same every time. They're the same emails uh, every summer. I've been doing this for 20 years, they're the same emails geez, I've been fishing all summer and da 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 Well, now I'm having line break. Why is my line breaking? Why are my knots breaking? I can tell you why, and it's pretty easy. And we're going to talk about a few different things in regards to line and fishing knots on this podcast. And just for the record, if you're not familiar with the different types of lines out there, uh, I would recommend you go look up one of our other podcasts. Uh, I think we called it the Line on Lines. And basically, we ran through all the different types of fishing line available, not necessarily by brand, but by design style. In other words, nylon monofilament, fluorocarbon monofilament, braided spectra or braided dyneema, as the case might be, extruded spectra or dyneema fused or bonded, there's a lot of different kinds of line out there and they each have their advantage and their disadvantage. So I'd recommend you go listen to some of that podcast. It's relatively short and uh, and that'll help you a little bit on choosing your lines. But we don't want to talk about lines too much on this podcast so much as we want to talk about how to prevent break-offs in general because break-offs are no fun at all. And there's two kinds of break-offs. One of them you have basically no control over, and that is when the fish flat out beats you. In other words, the fish is too big for your tackle. Uh, is a classic one where you just hook something a lot bigger than you were anticipating. That's always fun until you get broken off. Been down that road a whole bunch of times. Uh, also, if you get around fish in, in too much cover where there's too many things in the fish's 
uh, advantage or to the fish's advantage where it makes it very difficult for you to win a fight. And, and I've been on that one a whole bunch of times as well. But neither of those are really what I would consider line or not failure. Typically, that's just flat being outclassed. You got beat by a fish and good for you. You got to hook that fish. And that's a key thing. And that's happened to me a lot of times. I mean, the biggest snook I ever hooked ever by a large margin, I broke off just because I hooked him in a bad spot, not on the fish, but in general where the fish was when I hooked him. Uh, gave her a huge advantage. That's going to happen occasionally. Uh, even with small fish, you might get a three-pound largemouth that wraps you around a bunch of, you know, dried-up wood cover, and just like that, your line's going to break. So sometimes that's the case. But a lot of the time, what happens when when fish break off is to do with line or not failure, and that is 100% the, the fault of the angler. And I just had one uh, last week that was strictly my fault. And that's what prompted me between the emails I've been getting in the last couple of weeks and this podcast, that's what prompted me to do it. So first and foremost, if when it comes to avoiding breakoffs, let's start with the fundamental thing, and that is your drag. Your drag should be set no stiffer than it absolutely needs to be or no tighter than it absolutely needs to be to protect your line. Okay? Now... What everybody does is they tighten their drag and then they grab the line right in front of the spool and they pull it. And, oh, yeah, that feels pretty good. And then they go fish. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But when you have a fish hooked to the other end of your line, and let's say you're on a spinning rod, okay, and you've got a five-pound fish on the other end of your line, okay? You've got, say, 75 feet of line between you and the fish from your rod tip. That's going to create a tremendous amount of resistance in the water. So that in and of itself is going to pull harder right off the bat. Then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to have 10 or 11 or 12 guides on your spinning rod. And every one of those guides is going to be a hinge point in the line. And every one of those hinge points is going to add a significant amount of resistance such that if you measure the pounds of drag you get right at the reel versus the pounds of drags you would get when the rod is fully bent and loaded and you're pulling out the tip guide and measuring it up there, you'll get almost a 50% difference in that pound reading because of the amount of resistance of the line going through the guide. So the drag should feel looser to you than you think. Now, obviously, there's a few scenarios where that's not the case. One being, uh, let's say, a bass fishing scenario in heavy cover where the drag is literally on stop. In that scenario, you're typically fishing with 50-pound braid or something crazy like that. And it's not about the tensile strength of your line. It's about the fact that if the fish moves a foot the other direction, you lose the battle every time. And it goes back to what I started this podcast with. Sometimes the fish are going to win. Your only chance when you're fishing around very, very heavy cover is to stop that fish in his tracks and get his head turned towards you on the hook set. And that's why you see bass pros like Kevin Van Dam just full-on blast them when they're up shallow and pitching heavy cover cover because they're trying to get that fish to turn towards them when they set the hook. And that's important. In that scenario, yeah, you're going to have the drag on stop. But in any other scenario, the drag needs to be just soft enough to protect your line. In my case, I run the drag just stiff enough to get a hook set. And in a lot of scenarios, particularly with braided line on a spinning rod, I will have my drag set such that it will click maybe a foot or two of line out when I swing on the hook hook set because it softens the um, 
the shock, so to speak, and keeps, particularly with treble hooks, something like a jerk bait that gets bit on the paws. If you if you have the drag as tight as you think you need it and you set the hook hard, uh, you're going to pull hooks away from fish, and we don't want to do that. So I'll soften the drag in that scenario. As a general rule with drags, if it needs to be tighter, you almost always have time to tighten it, but you almost never have time to loosen it when you realize it's too tight and you're about to get broken off. So for me, I'm gonna run the drag on the soft end of the spectrum and then I will either thumb the spool on a casting rod or I will palm the spool on a spinning rod or on a fly rod for that matter uh, to add an additional drag force as needed. So. That's my whole spiel about drags. No more drags. Next thing about line, and this goes to the emails I'm getting right now. Guys are talking about, well, I've been using the same knots and it, and it works fine, but I need a new knot because now my line's failing. Now my knots are failing. I'd be willing to bet you, without even talking to any of those people, that those that the line they're talking about has been on there all season and maybe even from last season, particularly if it's monofilament, nylon monofilament or fluorocarbon, either one, it will degrade, particularly with nylon monofilament. It will degrade significantly with time. So if the line was on there last year and then it hung in your garage all winter and got exposed to cold and warm and, and here in Colorado where I live, extreme dry, but maybe in Florida where I was raised, it's soaking up water all winter, uh, from humidity, uh, whatever the case might be, your line will wear just hanging. It will age just hanging in your garage or in your boat locker or wherever it is you leave your rods. That's a first step. Second of all, if, it's, if, you, if you didn't leave it on there all winter, you've been fishing with it all summer, it's been sitting on the deck of the boat or sitting out uh, you know, on the bank with you and getting sun cooked on it, and now it's getting more and more brittle. And the more brittle it gets, the less it wants to hold knots, and you end up with knot failure. The other thing that happens when you get at the end of summer or middle of summer like this and it's really hot out is, and this is a big one, the friction when you tighten the knot is not to be underestimated. I had a long talk with the girls at Berkeley who test all of the lines for abrasion and knot holding ability and a lot of other things. And what they talked about, very, very important, regardless of what the condition is of your line or the type of line you're having, is that knot needs to be wet when you cinch it. And I don't mean like... I licked it with my semi-dry tongue wet. I'm talking about wet, like as in uh, submerged wet or a big gob of spittle on that line when you pull it tight. Because what that moisture is doing is not just lubricating. That's part of it. It is lubricating it to keep it from getting hot. And that's very important, particularly with fluorocarbon and a couple of different braids. That's extremely important, uh, and we don't even need to talk about it with nylon monofilament. Anything that stresses nylon monofilament is bad, and heat will for sure do that. So, so not only is the moisture supposed to lube the line, that's important, but the other thing it's supposed to do, no matter what, is suck heat out of it. So if you've ever dealt with something like a tile saw or a concrete saw or something like that, there's water being sprayed on the blade the whole time it's cutting, and that cools the blade down the whole time. Otherwise, it will get hot. It's not about lubing the blade. It's about dispersing the temperature as it evaporates moisture. If you have a big thing of spit or water or even better yet, hold the knot in the water when you cinch it, that will keep it from generating any extra heat. That little bit of spit, that big solid drop of spit you put on there when you pulled it tight 
will suck the heat right out of it as you cinch it down and it will keep it from getting too hot. So when it's a hundred degree day out, like we have here in Colorado and it's bone dry and you've got nylon monofilament and you just barely wet that knot or you don't wet it at all. And then you cinch it down. Well, that knot has heated up tremendously for a quarter of a second. And now as it cools back down, it's brittle. And then you set the hook an hour later and the knot breaks and you're not sure what happened. And it really came down to the fact that A, the line was maybe aged a little bit or B, the heat in the environment around you when you cinch that knot was really bad for the knot. So one of the first things I can tell you, regardless of what knot you use, is wet it way more than you think and you'll be a lot better off. Uh, that will help you a bunch. Another thing that's really important uh, fresh knots. I don't, I don't advocate clips, uh, speed clips or snaps for changing lures for one reason and one reason only. And there's a whole bunch of reasons I could say don't use them, but there's one main reason and that's because you will invariably end up with a stale knot. And I don't care anything short of about 80 pound braid, the knot needs to be retied on a regular basis. Even with heavy duty braid, I will retie several times a day. And in most cases, I'll take a couple of feet off the end of the line when I do so, because that's the part that's getting wear and tear uh, as you're fishing with the line. So you need to, to be very diligent about changing your knots on a regular basis. If I'm fishing with something like say six pound test, 100% fluorocarbon, which I fish a ton of, six pound test, right? So let's say I lose 20% of my tensile strength because my knot is old. Well, I'm already down to, to you know five pound test at that point. And let's say I lose another 10% because I've got old line. Well, okay, well now I'm down even worse, right? So now I'm looking at four pound test or less. So it's very important that you keep the, the knot or excuse me, the line reasonably fresh as well as the knot being reasonably fresh. And so for me, like six pound test, I'll change that knot out every 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe all day long, whether I'm catching fish or not. Because every time you set the hook, every time you snag something, every time you generate a hard cast and you put a ton of energy in the tip of that real nice, powerful fiber or graphite fishing rod you bought and you fire a cast really hard, You've got to accelerate that lure, whatever it is on the end of the line, quickly, and that puts tension on it. So fresh knots are your friends all the time. I know all the time, not some of the time. I mentioned earlier that I had a break-off last week that, that frustrated me to no end, and the reason it frustrated me is I saw it happening. I knew it was going to happen, and I let it happen by being lazy and not being diligent with my work. And what I mean by that was actually camera guy spotted, I was rigging. He goes, hey, it looks like there's a little fray in your line up there above that leader you're tying on. And I ran my hand up it and, uh, and it was braided line I was tying to with a fluorocarbon leader. And I ran my hand up the line, I felt it. And I'm like, okay, well, it's one strand out of the nine strands on here. It'll be all right, no problem. That thing broke immediately the first time I set the hook. And I looked at the camera guy, gave him credit for it, uh, and then cried myself to sleep that night for being an idiot and not retying that. All I had to do was cut off two feet of line and retie it, and I would not have broke that fish off. But sure enough, it broke right at the fray on line that otherwise would never break off. So another thing I'll tell you about not losing fish, not breaking fish off, besides keeping your knots fresh, is every time you retie that knot, 
is run your hand up the line for maybe a full length of your rod and feel it for any sort of abrasion or or nicks, uh, broken you know filaments, uh, fuzz on the line that you can see where the line's been scraped across something. Fluorocarbon's famous for that. Uh, where you'll get little curls coming off the edge of the line because they drug across something abrasive. Uh, anything like that, you need to cut that off and retie it or you're just asking for trouble. And invariably, it's never the little fish that break you off. It's the big ones that break you off. So that makes it all the more important that you check that stuff and, and don't let any of that happen. So knots need to be fresh. So if I'm, the heavier the line is, the less fresh I have to worry about the knot being. Okay, but it still needs to be fresh. So four, six, eight pound test all the time. You know, 15 to 25 pound test in a nylon of any sort. Well, then I might tie that a half dozen times a day. Braided line, I might only tie a couple times a day. But in all cases, I will be rechecking that line every single time. Uh, every few minutes, I'll be checking for abrasion, particularly fishing around any sort of cover, rock, wood, anything like that. Uh, particularly in a river as well, I'll check constantly for abrasion because it's so important. And I don't really want to lose a lure, much less a fish. So that's my thing there. So uh, let's talk about some specific knots now, because really what I get a lot of the time is what knot do I use for this? What knot do I use for that? And I'm going to tell you right now, it won't matter what knot you knew. It, you, you will not matter one iota what knot you use. It won't. If you don't keep your line in good condition and your knots fresh. So it doesn't matter if you use the best knot in the world. If your line's dried out and brittle, it's going to fail. If, if your knot is two days old because you never retied the lure, it's going to fail. So it doesn't matter in that regard. But let's talk about the knot specifically and what I tie most commonly um, and the importance of that. So first and foremost for me, I think the most important knot that any angler needs to know is a uni knot. And... The reason being is it's extremely versatile knot. With a uni knot, I can tie terminal tackle on. I can tie two lines together. I can tie any one line to itself. Uh, it's irrelevant what um, pound test the two lines are because they're tied around each other in the event of tying two knots or two lines together. Also, it's an excellent knot for snelling a hook if you need to do that. And snelling, uh, you guys have seen those. Typically, it's a down-eye hook. Uh, the line goes through the eye and then is tied around the shank of the hook. And therefore, there's no real resistance uh, or, or pull on the line itself. It's linear. And it's an excellent thing. A lot of old-school bass guys you'll see will definitely snell hooks on their flipping rigs for that reason. Uh, when they're when they're fishing heavy cover for bass, so uh, that can be a key thing. So a uni knot is how you handle all that. So in my opinion, that's the most important knot. That's the one that I use also to attach two lines together. Uh, typically, the most common scenario being a fluorocarbon leader to braided line, or a, or a nylon monofilament leader, as the case might be, to braided line. That's a very common connection for me. Uh, at which point I will do that with double uni knots or back-to-back -back uni knots. And somebody's going to say, oh, FG knot, FG knot, better, better FG knot. I get it. The FG knot's a fantastic knot when it's tied correctly. But it takes forever to tie correctly. For one, it's very difficult to tie in the boat, in the wind, and therefore it loses practicality. And by the way, in my experience, if it's not tied perfectly, it will break very easy. So I don't use the FG knot. If I'm for any reason wasn't going to use a double uni knot, which I can't 
see a reason why I wouldn't, but if I wasn't gonna, it would be the, the crazy Alberto that I would use to tie two lines together. Uh, works very well, uh, easy to tie, and again, tests, tests really good on the knot machine. But for me, it's the double uni knot. And typically speaking, there's twice as many wraps on the braided side as there is on the uh, monofilament side. And so maybe there's four to six wraps on the monofilament side, depending on how heavy it is, and somewhere between eight and 12 wraps on the braided side. And part of the reason is, is that makes the knot smoother as well. It's longer and skinnier and a little smoother. <coughs> Excuse me. And that really doesn't have a lot to do with with the tensile strength so much as it has to do with the knot flowing freely through the guides. And I'll throw out there this, my leaders tend to be short enough in most scenarios that I can cast without that leader knot going through the tip guide. So that, I'll throw that out there real quick. If the leader knot goes through the tip guide, doesn't matter what knot you tie, uh, it's going to beat on that knot over time. You have to retie it more often. So that's a key thing. Uh, another knot for me that I'll use to attach terminal tackle a lot of the time, particularly um, when I'm retying a lot and it's very, very quick to tie and doesn't take a tremendous amount of line, that's a San Diego jam knot. And some people will tell you that it doesn't test well on the knot machine, but like any other knot, it tests as good as you tie it. And in my experience, having tied that thing a few thousand times in the last five years alone, uh, I can't even imagine how many times I've tied it in the last 20 years. Um, I can tie that knot literally in like 10 seconds, start to finish, and get a big a big amount of wet on it and cinch it down. Uh, and it, it tests very, very well for me on the knot machine. It tests right there with a Palomar knot. And that's a hint right there on the only other knot that I really use for terminal stuff. Uh, other than a uni knot or a San Diego jam knot, and that's a Palomar knot. And I will typically use a Palomar knot to join braided line to something um, as in terminal tackle-wise. And a Palomar knot tests really good. One great thing about the Palomar knot is that it has the line doubled over where it goes through the eye of the hook, and so that's important because you've got twice as much resistance there. So. Uh, or twice as much you know, wear and tear, abrasion resistance, whatever you want to call it, because the line's through the eye of the hook twice. And so a Palomar knot's an excellent knot for uh, joining. The one thing I'll tell you about the Palomar knot, if you watch people tie it on videos, and that's what I'm going to recommend you do here at the end of this podcast, is go watch some videos on each of these knots. Um, if you watch, it's important to hold the main loop open when you're cinching that Palomar knot till it's almost cinched. And then at the last minute, take your finger out of that hole and go ahead and cinch it down. So other than that, um, the, that's the only real important thing with the Palomar knot. But it's a very durable knot. It tests really good. works excellent. And, uh, and it's not a knot that, uh, that should be taken lightly. Those are basically the only three knots. So... It goes like this, guys. Check your line on a regular basis. Uh, replace your line on a regular basis. Keep your knots fresh no matter what all the time. Keep your knots fresh. The fresher you keep your knots, the best chance you have of not having your heart broken. And also check your line for, for abrasion every single time you do that. Wet the knot more than you think. Keep your, line, um, keep your line fresh and clean and keep your knots really wet when you cinch them and you won't have any problems at all. So if you guys have specific questions, shoot me an email, chat at Uh We would love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel, both at Fishful Thinker and also Instagram or Facebook, and especially tune in and see what we're up to next week on World Fishing Network and Altitude Sports and Entertainment. So thanks for tuning in. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.